Hello there, boxing fans around the world. Thanks for joining me here on Talk and Fight for another episode of Boxing News Today. As we all know, we've got a big clash coming up with uh, Jermel Charlo and uh, his good buddy Canelo Alvarez. They're going to go toe-to-toe in Las Vegas. And uh, the pundits are quite divided on uh, who's got the better chance here. But it's, it's a good one because uh, both fighters have a lot to lose, quite frankly. Uh, Charlo is pride and uh, Canelo maybe his career. So let's have a quick look and see what the uh, the know-it-alls have to say. All right, let's start off with what Teddy Atlas has to say. First of all, as we all know, as we all know, uh, Alvarez is widely regarded as one of the best fighters of this generation, without a doubt. He's won his fair share of fights. Um, the, he's also, you know, four-weight world champion, undisputed in the super middleweight ranks, and uh, he's returning in the weekend to defend against four-belt super welterweight champ uh, Jamal Charles. Okay. So, Teddy Atlas had this to say. Canelo has always been overrated. Now, that doesn't mean he's not a real good fighter, but he is not the greatest Mexican fighter of all time. He is not the greatest Mexican fighter. He's overrated. He probably lost to Erislandi Lara. He lost twice to Triple G. I know it's old news. It's old history. He lost the first two against uh, Glovkin, especially the first one. He lost to Mayweather every round, except for with that judge who should be in jail. Um, you know, keep in mind, uh, Atlas had previously said that uh, he's not even in the top 10 of greatest Mexican fighters of all time. Atlas has followed that opinion up with some uh, others in the similar vein in recent times, even his prediction for this fight with Charlo, even though he's backing the Mexican to win be a split decision, even if he needs help from his friends in the industry about the criticism, Canelo claimed the trainer turned analyst crazy. Okay. Woo. He's fucking crazy. That fucking crazy and you think he knows boxing all right anyway his record is 59 2 and 2 and he's always he has promised to silence any critics who believe he's on the slide following a loss to dimitri bivel and two decision wins over triple g and john Ryder. so speaking on this matter he said he wasn't fully fighting fit uh for the bouts due to hand surgery and that the charlo main event will be on a different level altogether all right let's have a quick look here and see what our lads over at espn has to say um just courtesy of let's see who wrote this one up here uh damien delgado avaroff had this to say on espn jermel charlo will not be the first nor the last boxer in modern boxing history to move up two division to confront an established champion most recently there were two stars who did the same Manny Pacquiao and Guillermo Rigondo. Uh, the two fought against great opponents with different outcomes. Pacquiao forced Oscar De La Hoya to quit before the ninth round. Uh, Rigondo lost a one-sided bout against uh, Lomachenko when Rigondo quit in his corner after the sixth round. Charlo, keep in mind, he's 35-1-1, 19 knockouts, arrives for the super middleweight fight against Canelo Alvarez at the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas as the junior middleweight undisputed champ. He took the place of his twin brother, Jarmal, um, who initially was going to move up from middleweight to face Alvarez, but withdrew as he continued to deal with some personal issues. Uh, said Charlo, uh, now, uh, now is the right time for this fight. We're in our primes and at our best. I want to shake the doubters off. I will prove to the world why I'm in this position. There's a reason I made it this far. I'm going to show what I'm made of. Everything I've done since I was eight years old, I'm putting it all on the line now. As of Tuesday, Alvarez uh, was a 
420. Wow, a favorite according to Caesar's Sportsbook. Still, there's a history of fighters who managed to beat the odds and beat higher division champions. Alvarez himself is the closest reference of a boxer going up two divisions and winning. He did it against uh, Sergei Kovalov in uh, November 2019. Alvarez, who six months before had beaten Daniel, uh, Daniel Jacobs to, to unify three middleweight world titles, jumped 160 oh from 160 pounds to 175 to snatch the WBO light heavyweight title from Kovalev. Pacquiao did something similar in December 2008 with his debut in the welterweight division against De La Hoya, although the fight was at catch weight of 145. Pacquiao's previous height had been a lightweight, 135 pounds, when he knocked out David Diaz to win the WBC belt. Let's have a quick look and see what other fellows have to say about this. Uh, oh, this is a good one I found. Titled, uh, Investigating a Long History of Canelo Alvarez Getting Favoritism from Las Vegas Judges. And this is courtesy of Andreas Hale, uh, writing for the Sporting News. He goes, The idea of Jermel Charlo moving up two weight classes to challenge Canelo Alvarez for the Undisputed Super Middleweight Championship is already considered a good gunshot task for the Undisputed Champion at 154 to overcome. However, the act of beating Canelo on the scorecards in Las Vegas is perhaps an even bigger mountain to climb. As history tells us, convincing the judges that you've won more rounds than Canelo in a boxing match is almost impossible. People have said that Jermel Trello must knock Canelo out in order to leave Las Vegas with the undisputed super middleweight championship. Is that true? Considering how Las Vegas has found ways to give Canelo rounds in fights that it doesn't feel like he deserves, Charlo will have to do everything in his power to keep the fight from going to the scorecards. Canelo's history of favorable scorecards starts in 2013 with his unanimous decision victory over Austin Trout, the first major boxing event that Canelo headlined. Although it wasn't Vegas, the seed was planted that there would always be at least one scorecard that heavily skewed toward Canelo. In most observers' eyes, Canelo bested Trout by roughly two to three rounds. However, an obscene 18 to 1 118 to 109 scorecard raised more than a few eyebrows. Although the right man won, the score was cause for alarm. That carried over into Canelo's showdown with Floyd Mayweather in Las Vegas. On that particular card, Canelo was the biggest uh, biggest stage he's ever fought, been on, and he was grossly, grossly outclassed by Mayweather in a fight that wasn't even close. According to CompuBox, Mayweather outlanded Canelo 232 to 117 and connected on 46% of his punches to Canelo's 22%. Most ringside observers struggled to find three rounds to give Canelo, yet Judge C.J. Ross managed to score the fight even at 114-114. This scorecard was so egregious that she stepped down from judging after drawing significant criticism for her card. Interestingly enough, that terrible scorecard overshadowed an also inept 116-112 scorecard by Judge Dave Moretti. Out of 86 media scorecards, nobody had it closer than 116-113 with an average score of 119-109 in favor of Mayweather. This trend of favorable scorecards for Canelo was only getting started. Canelo versus uh, Lara, as I mentioned earlier. Less than a year later, Canelo was back in action against Erislandi Lara following a stoppage of Alfredo Aguinho. The crafty Cuban gave Canelo all he could handle and a nip and tuck affair, which saw Canelo win a split decision that could have gone either way. One judge had it 115-113. Canelo, while 
sought, while another sought favor of Lara by the same margin. But the final score for Canelo was an impossibly wide tally of 117-111. And this was the third consecutive decision for Canelo that had at least one questionable scorecard for the Mexican star. Then we enter that famous fight, Miguel Cotto versus Canelo. As in 2015, held uh, at the Mandalay Bay Event Center in Las Vegas, following his brutal third-round knockout of James Kirkland in Texas, Canelo returned to Vegas to face Miguel Cotto. In what appeared to be a closely contested fight that Canelo deserved to edge out, the judges would have you think that it was a one-sided affair, posting scores of 119-109, 118-110, and 117-111. The right man won, but few had that much of disparity between the two fighters. Wow. Canel Alvarez's Triple G won, uh, held at uh, uh, T-Mobile Arena uh, 2017. Canel knocked out Amir Khan and Liam Smith in his next two fights before dominating an uh, absolutely listless Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. for one of the few Vegas scorecards without controversy and then stepped into the ring 2017 against Gennady Golovkin for highly anticipated middleweight championship showdown. And it happened yet again. A fight that many onlookers scored for Golovkin ended in a split draw that kept Canelo from adding another loss to his career. According to MMA decisions, out of 26 media scorecards, 22 scored it for Golovkin, with most having 116-112, and the only three observers ended up with a draw. Only one scorecard had it for Canelo with a 115-113 score. As for the actual judges, that's a different story. One judge had it 115-113 for Golovkin, while another had it a draw. That third judge... Adelaide Bird somehow scored the fight 118 to 110 for Canelo, giving Triple G only two rounds out of a possible 12. Wow. Oh, man. The rematch took place a year later, and the media scores were a lot closer than the previous fight, with 10 ruling in favor of Triple G, seven seeing it as a draw, and only one judge scoring for Canelo. The actual scorecards had a majority decision for Canelo, with two judges scoring 115-113 for Canelo, and the third having it as a draw. Golovkin insists he was robbed not once, twice. And it didn't stop there. Hey, listen, I'll put this link down in the uh, uh, description below. Let's move along. Um, over on the boxnews24.com, um, my good friend Brian Weber writes, Jamel Charlo says he's definitely going to be returning to 154 for a possible fight against Terrence Crawford after he first deals with Canelo Alvarez on Saturday. Uh, Jamel wants to scoop up. Uh, Canelo's four belts to become undisputed super middleweight, but he says he isn't staying at 168. That makes a lot of sense because if Jamel stays, he'll need to defend against David Morrell Jr. and David Benavidez. And that's obviously a bridge too far for Charlo. He's not crazy. The game plan that Jamel leaked on Wednesday involving uh, using movement to defeat Canelo would be totally ineffective against Benavidez and Morrell. So Jamel is going to catch and release with the four 168-pound uh, titles and then head to safe waters at 154 for a lucrative fight with Crawford and likely the winner of the Tim Tayu uh, brian Mendoza fight. Hmm. Let's move along to Shakur Stevenson. The never-ending saga of poor old Shakur Stevenson, 20-0, 10 knockouts, as we know. He will, be, he will attempt to become a three-weight world champion after securing a shot at Devin Haney's old title belt. Stevenson takes on Dominican uh, Edwin De Los Santos for the vacant WBC lightweight world title Thursday, November 16th at the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. The Olympian and former two-division king will aim to make history in a doubleheader alongside a co top co-feature, Manuel's Emmanuel, 
did I say Mexico? Mexico's Emmanuel Valcara Navarati defends his WBO super featherweight strap against Brazilian two-time world champ challenger Robson Canciecho. Uh, Top-ranked chairman Bob Arum is delighted to have secured a date around the Formula One race weekend. It's a huge week for Las Vegas, a tremendous platform for Chris Stevenson. Like, once again, uh, why he's well on his way to reigning as the sport's pound-for-pound pound king, said Aram. Many fighters turned down the opportunity, but Edwin Dos Santos eagerly accepted. Uh, Navarrete and uh, Concheco fighting for Supreme at 130, as to a spectacular card that is loaded from top to bottom. Woo! All right, let's have a quick look here, uh, see who else is coming up. Uh, former uh, world champion Miguel Berchelt, 38-3, out of Yucatan, will make a redemptive return to the ring as the main event of Golden Boy Fight Night on the Zone, Mexico edition. In a lightweight match against former world champion of Tucumán, Argentina, Diego El Profito Ruiz, 24-7-1, uh, by the way, 12 knockouts. The 10-round lightweight fighter presented in co-promotion with Zanford Boxing on Saturday, October 14th at the Polo Forum Zana in Marida. That's in the Yucatan Peninsula. In uh, the co-main event, Mexico City's undefeated Angel Ayala, Ayala uh, 16-0, wow, will have his clean record tested by former world champion of Managua, uh, Felix Algemelo Alvarado. 39 and 3, 34 knockouts in an IBF eliminator fight schedule for 10 rounds as well. Good stuff. Let's move along to Bomba. Uh, a new change in opponent now has WBO junior flyweight titleist Jonathan Bomba Gonzalez fighting out of Puerto Rico, making his third defense against Nicaraguan ranked contender WBO number 14, Gerardo Zapata, 14 1 and 1. On Friday, they'll take place October 27th from the Alexis Argueo Sports Complex in Managua, and that's in Nicaragua. Um, Tuto Zabala, Jr., president of the ASB, says Zapata has stepped in for Lehman Benavides as he felt ill, and after a few days, he was not able to fight Gonzalez. He was fighting a rematch on the co-main event and has been training. We expect a tough fight. Jonathan Bomba Gonzalez is no stranger to adversity and has faced a similar style in past in the past, making his first defense and outpointing former Filipino Olympian Mark Anthony Bariga. My team and I have seen the tape on him, Zapata, and we are ready and eager to get back in the ring. And noted Gonzalez. We saw Zapata in a southpaw as a southpaw, but he brings nothing new to the table. Um Destiny has placed me here, said Zapata. I won my last fight. Villar got a hometown decision, which cost me the fight with Gonzalez. But here we are, and I will not disappoint my peeps. All right. Let's move along to, oh, yes. Quick little uh, addition here to the uh, today's stories. Unbeaten British heavyweight standouts. Let's put that in air quotes. Fabio Wardley and David Adea. Uh, will meet in high-stakes clash Saturday, October 28th in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. The 12-round battle of emerging... Oh, it goes from heavyweight standouts to emerging stars. The 12-round battle of emerging stars will serve as a chief support contest to the historic showdown between WBC and lineal heavyweight boxing champ Tyson Fury and lineal MMA heavyweight champ Francis Nagayo. The premier combat sports event of the year, <clears throat> which marks the opening of Riyadh season, the world's biggest entertainment event, features a night of action delivered by boxing's Marquet division, the two heavyweights going at it. 
Former WBO world champion Joseph Parker, 32 and 3, 222 knockouts from New Zealand, goes up against Canada's Simon Keane, 23 and 1, 22 knockouts, by the way. And bone crushing puncher Arslan Beck Mahmudov, 17 and 0, also residing in Canada, defends his NABF title against Croatian veteran Agron Smakici, 19 and 2. And both fights are scheduled for 10 rounds, by the way. And in a special six-round special attraction, 18-year-old heavyweight phenom Moses Atwama, 5-0, will face an opponent to be named. This unprecedented heavyweight spectacular is promoted by Queensbury, Top Rank, and G-I-M-I-K Fight Promotions, along with Eye of the Tiger out of Montreal, promoter Keen and Mahmoudov. The Fury Nagano fight and the heavyweight undercard will be available on TNT Sports Box Office in the UK for all you UK fans. Uh, Ipswich Wardley, he's 16 0, by the way, 15 knockouts, be- became English champ in 2021 with first round stoppage of Nick Webb before capturing British honors in the third round TKO of Nathan Gorman last November. He's coming off a fourth round TKO over Michael Coffey in April. Adelaide, by the way, he's 12 0, 11 knockouts from London is the current WBO European champion, having won his maiden professional title by defeating the previously unbeaten Dimitri Bezos at York Hall in February and subsequently stopping Emir Amatovic in June. As this article says, the Adelaide Wardley rivalry hits new heights at the Fury Nagano press conference in London earlier this month as the fighters and their camps brawled on the red carpet. The melee left Wardley with cuts above his left eye and under his chin. Oh, poor guy. All right, let's uh, wrap up today's episode with a quick little update on Gervonta Davis. The title screams, uh, Gervonta Davis puts boxing career on hold following jail time. It's written by my good friend Phil J over at boxingnews.net. Go check it out. Gervonta Davis will not be returning to the ring before the end of the year following a brief spell in prison following his last bout. This means that Ryan Garcia pay-per-view victory, which was a rating smash, could represent Tank's only fight of 2023. Davis could make a comeback in December. However, nothing in the pipeline is far more likely to be early 2024. The lightweight star defeated Garcia via technical knockout, but has seen two of his major rivals uh, since agreed to face each other uh, at super lightweight. Devin Haney and Regis Progress trade blows on December 9th with the WBC championship at 140 pounds on the line. The pair agreed to a deal despite both showing interest in a battle with Davis. Uh, but due to the time delay, any hope of Davis facing either would be on hold until at least April next year. It also sees Davis only fight uh, three times in two years at the height of his powers. Too bad. The jail time didn't help Davis, says this article. However, he had to, he had to take some punishment for what was a serious vehicle accident that hurt other members of the public. True enough. Uh, Despite initially having a five-year sentence hanging over him, Davis served less than two months behind bars. For now, Davis will focus on his family life, put his boxing career on the shelf, and may well take a huge offer uh, for Davis to return at any earlier than next spring. He said, I'm getting my personal life together. I'll see you all at the top of the year. at 29-0 with 27 knockouts to his credit, Davis can sit back safe in the knowledge that he remains one of big, boxing's biggest stars, and when he does return, interest in his next outing will spike once again. Uh, fights against Teofimo Lopez, Vasily Lomachenko, Josh Taylor, Shakur Stevenson would all have boxing fans salivating at that prospect. Right on. Okay, all right. Thank you very much, boxing fans, for joining me. Appreciate it.
Um, remember to like, share, subscribe, hit that notification bell. We see you later on at 4 p.m. when I join Mike Gore for a show Knuckle Up. That's 4 p.m. Eastern time. And then we have a special edition of the Friday night panel. We'll be on location at uh, Budo Boxing Club uh, for a fight. Ireland versus Canada, Spirit of the Warrior. All right. Thank you very much.